Thanks for tuning in to Betting the NFL on the Let's Get Ready Network, the place for coverage of all the things you love. On this feed, we debate and discuss the NFL, the NHL, English Premier League, Pro Tennis Tours, and more. If you're interested in supporting the network, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash LGR underscore network. And please leave a rating and review of this episode. Enjoy the show, everyone. up everybody i'm caleb ochevo also known as nfl kid 22 this is betting nfl wild card weekend uh no, super wild card weekend super wild card weekend uh edition of the show as always as you just heard uh with me is my co-host Derek wesley also known as d wheezy what's going on man man ready to jump into these playoff lines you know we've been grinding all season long and i was even recently just the other night um reviewing some of the futures episodes we did uh at the beginning of the season and i gotta say we was throwing out a lot of fire knowledge because going back through some of those episodes you know we we weren't right on everything you know oh lord we're not 100 percent. Josh, gosh darn it but I mean, there, there's a number of futures episodes where with a lot of these teams, um, whether it be you, me, both of us, uh, some of the guests we've had on. I mean, there, there's a lot of information that was close, if not right on the money with some of yeah. these out there. Yeah, I feel like uh, I, I, at least from my what I, I know I remember what I picked. Um, um, we we do we did get a lot a lot right. I mean, I definitely feel like I. Um, the NFC East, uh, correct, uh, at least for my Cowboys winning the division. I can tell you that mm-hmm. I did bet on that. I told you all to bet on that. So if y'all just didn't want to believe me, said I was uh, said, said I was being a homer. Well, you just you guys just lost uh, or lost a, out on that opportunity. Oh, yeah. um, and I do have to say the AFC. I mean, boy, I had that on lock. I said at the beginning of the season, Bills would win ten or eleven games. Sure enough, that didn't come all the way to the end of the season. They hit right on that 11. Said they'd win the division, make the playoffs. That took the whole season to get there. Also said the Dolphins would make the playoffs. And the Patriots would finish the season with a top five pick. Oh, yeah. I think we were both down on the Patriots big time, um, that they would be one of the worst teams in the league. Um, also said the Bears would finish in last in that division. Very proud about that. I mean, everybody could have, and then everybody could have bet on the Cardinals, especially last in their division. The one I got completely wrong is the the NFC South. This uh, NFC South, I was god awful terrible. I will say the Saints ended up doing slightly better than I expected, but you know, we we said it back then at the beginning. There was no reason for all these experts and people out there. As as strong and as uh, as hard as they were backing the Saints for it to come down to the last game of the season, 
and still only finished the uh, with a nine and eight record, I believe. And a number of those games, um, whether it be close finishes or just uh, going the opposite way within the books and experts expected it to. Um, I, I feel like if you were, you know, a, uh, if you were back in the Saints this season, it kind of feels like a double-edged sword. The way they started out just doing so horribly, then to pick up a little bit of steam just to finish just under the line. I believe the number at the beginning of the season was nine and a half wins. Um, clearly didn't cover that number. And just, you know, with all the nonsense going on there and Atlanta, um, you know, we said it back then. Uh, the coaching staffs were probably going to be a, a large reason uh, these teams were held back. And that's the way it seemed to play out this season. Yeah, but, you know, we win some, we lose some, like, like every season. Uh, I think, but at least uh, on the division part, I think, I think we won more than we lost on those. But we will also uh, have a little recap of uh, what happened in uh, our divisional episodes. We'll recap now what happened in um, the season overall a little bit uh, with some of these numbers against the spread. And the favorites overall against the spread were 137, 122, and 13 for a 52.9% winning percentage against the spread. Home teams were 128, 131, and 13, only a 49.4% winning percentage um, there. So the way teams actually did better than the home teams. And that's what we've been saying. Well, at least that's the question I brought up to you even last year. Is there such a, is there such thing as a, a home field advantage anymore? Uh, at least against the spread, at least when you're talking about spreads. Um, does, the, you know, does, does, you know, that three points that they get, they give the other team, um, is that legit anymore? Because uh, at least for this season, uh, it doesn't seem like, like that, that, that spread should hold or that maybe, the teams um, should be given that three points. Maybe it should be maybe one, maybe two, but at least according to what happened this season, it maybe it should not be three anymore. Um, and, or uh, wait, potentially um, maybe only in isolated situations. Um, it was something I heard uh, the commentators actually bring up this past week. Um, I believe it was uh, during the Dallas game. Um Basically referencing what we've been saying pretty much all season long that home field advantage is dead unless you're one of a handful of teams, you know, a team like Dallas where you have that big, strong home crowd, um, a team like Seattle where even in down years that that crowd is infamous for making noise, getting loud, showing up on the Richter scale, literally, um, the Chiefs being another one, uh, expect to sell out this weekend, even with the horrible weather we're going to see in Kansas City. And you know those fans are going to be back in their team. So in my opinion, I think, like I said, outside of a handful of instances, you know, I think you can scratch home field advantage off. Because speaking as a Panthers fan who for the past couple of years was at a number of Panthers games and has followed – uh basically the attendance of games, how many fans of both sides. And I got to say, for a number of years now, the Panthers haven't had a home game because that stadium, at minimum, half full other team uh, as far, you know, 
it's not a 50-50. You see more fans of the other teams, regardless of where that team might be located. You know, a Minnesota, um, where I think is a great example, where not necessarily the strongest fan base, a good fan base, um, but one that's – I don't see too many people traveling from Minnesota to get down to the Carolinas to catch a football game. Um, now, yes, a team like a Pittsburgh, infamous for their fans traveling, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a little legitimate uh, question, or well, question and statement to say home field advantage is dead, y'all. Yeah, um, you can even see it in this number away favorites um, against the spread were 54, 45, and 6, uh, 54% winning percentage. That you know, that doesn't seem like a lot, um, but in terms of betting, uh, 54% is is is. is, is Quite a lot, um, at least in that advantage wise. Um, so yeah, those road favorites um, definitely um, we're we're hitting against the spread there. The overs, um, like we said, uh, the overs and unders. Overs hit 122 times. The unders were 147 times. The unders were hitting at a 54.6 percent. Again, uh, doesn't seem like a lot, but in terms of betting, that is a lot. Um. Yeah. So that we 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 said it all season. The unders were hitting a whole bunch, almost at a record pace, um, all the way up until like the final weeks of the season, uh, where we saw finally the overs start to hit. But after most of the season, the points, the offenses were not scoring. Um, you know that maybe that been doing for all the quarterbacks we've seen, all the backup quarterbacks, all the bad play. Um, you know. And that, that that all contributed to why the unders were hitting so much. And, you know, maybe that continues um, into next season. If we continue to see poor, poor quarterback play, um, maybe the unders hit next season. But, yeah, definitely, definitely was the case um, in the 2023 season. Yeah, I definitely think there is, you know, a couple of factors that went into un- the unders coming in the way they did. Like you said, quarterback play. Um Something I have paid attention to for a number of years now. Uh, it was something I heard maybe a decade ago from a former player in an interview um, talking about how the quarterback position was the least coached position in the NFL. Basically saying that if these guys don't come out of college ready, they're not going to get coached in the NFL. And I think that was on full display this season with um, – some of the backup play we saw because a number of these backups have been in the NFL for years, if not with the same team. Uh, Easton Stick comes to mind and not to, you know, down him, but you would imagine that a player that's been with the same team for a number of years, you know, it had, had this, you know, uh, Brandon Staley as the coach, as long as he was there for his tenure, there's no excuse why this player shouldn't at least know the offense shouldn't, you know, by no means would you expect him to go out there and play like a Justin Herbert, but for him to go out there and play as badly as we saw, I definitely think raises some eyebrows to how much coaching does the quarterback position see, because we've seen it in a number of uh, teams over the years. Arizona comes to mind where basically Drafted a quarterback. Oh, he's not the guy. Ship him out. Draft another quarterback. Um, Minnesota this year. Yes, uh, Hall going down with a concussion was, you know, unfortunate. 
and yes, he's a rookie. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we were asking questions. Why were they trading for Josh Dobbs? Well, I think the answer was clear because they knew Hall was not ready by any means. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I think quarterback play definitely had a large factor in the unders coming in the way they did. Um, at the same time, you know, we could be seeing a, a bit of an adverse effect of NIL and the COVID year coming into play. Players getting an extra year of eligibility because of the COVID lockout and that COVID year, as well as you're seeing potentially some players stay another year or two uh, at the college level because it's not that same dynamic of I got to get drafted to get paid, you know. Now, of course, there was a lot of backroom deals going on throughout the history of college football. Anybody that tries to deny it is a full-on liar. As somebody that lives in Tar Heel country, yo, I can tell you some stories about the family. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was a running joke for the longest that uh, Raymond Felton got a, a ticket for a DUI in a season where he was going to potentially go to the pros, decided to come back, you know, that you know, bad press might affect the draft stock. Team ended up winning the national championship that year. Well, up until they won that championship, it was, a, you know, a running joke. Who the hell was the rookie cop that gave the starting point guard of the Tar Heels a ticket? Well, they won that championship. I'm wondering if that patrol officer maybe got a promotion or a raise or something because a lot of people was happy that he stuck around. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely think, you know, NIL is playing a little bit of a factor. Um, we, we've heard the talks about Caleb Williams uh, over this past season, whether they be, you know, more than rumors. Um, just the potential of him staying an extra year is actually legitimate because there's the possibility he might make more at the college level than as an NFL rookie. Um. I'll say what's up to Brandon Bizell. What's going on, man? Happy to have you here. Um, all right, we'll get into the biggest upset of the week. And that came into my great delight when I uh, watched the Eagles as a four and a half point favorite at the New York Giants lose 27 to 10. And I was just so happy to be right on this bet. Uh, one of my best bets of the week because uh, I've just been enjoying this epic, epic collapse of the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, I knew when Sirianni was started talking about, you know, whether he was considering um, resting his players that, you know, he would eventually do that. And that's what ultimately happened. Uh, they have lost five of the last six with this uh, being uh, the best way to end that, that little streak there being blown out by Tyrod Taylor and the New York Giants. They were down 20 to 24 to 0 at half. That's when he decided to, you know, take out now the starters um after they, you know, Hurts got, you know, almost I guess broke his finger or whatnot when AJ Brown went out with a knee injury. Um it's just a perfect timing to take out your guys after they get pummeled like that. Exactly, um, yeah. You know, <laughs> not let's just write the game off, get into the playoffs healthy. Uh, I mean, the one benefit you can say about the Hertz injury is potentially maybe it's happened before. Uh, maybe it's a dislocation, you know, because he didn't seem very affected by that. Um, 
I mean, uh, I mean, he wasn't good. I mean, they they weren't. No, no, I, I mean, I mean, his demeanor after he messed yeah. up his finger because you see him walking off. He he looks at his finger. He clearly knows it's messed up, and just you know, moving gingerly, not really you know looking bothered by it. And I'm sorry, but if I see my finger pointing some direction it's not supposed to be going, I might you know be alarmed a little bit by it. So it, you know, it makes me believe that maybe this is something he's experienced before, maybe not a break, something more in the range of dislocation. Um, of course, not something you want your starting quarterback to have on their throwing hand. But if you're a Philly fan, you know, maybe not time to start, you know, burning the city and storming the stadium looking for Sirianni's head. Um, yeah, that's that, that's definitely been a talk. They won't want to fire everybody, but that's just Philadelphia. They always want to fire everybody as soon as you know they lose. Um, but next we will get to the bad beat of the week, and that came in the Seahawks uh, at the Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals were plus one thirty on the money line. They lose it twenty-one to twenty. The Cardinals took the lead in the fourth quarter with less than ten minutes left in the game. And they stopped the Seahawks after that drive. And then they got the ball back. Um, and then they drove down the field and they missed a 43-yard field goal with less than three minutes left. And then the Seahawks take just one minute to go down the field and, 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 and score a touchdown to get that one-point lead. But still, the Cardinals still had an opportunity to go down the field, set up for a 51-yard winning field goal, with uh, and leave no time left on the clock, and guess what happens? The kicker misses uh, yet another field goal to lose that game, and you know that is just a just a rough, rough way to lose it, and just a bad beat for all those Cardinals money line betters. Um, yeah, that that one that one is a definitely a tough way uh, to to end your regular season there. Yeah. Um... I think, you know, outside of the Rams and the 49ers, it seemed like it was a tough season all around when you're talking about that NFC West with the Cardinals and um, Seattle. You know, I think a lot of Cardinals fans and backers got, you know, excited to see Kyler Murray return and be, I won't say his old self, but definitely playing closer to his old self than, you know, what we've seen out of some of these quarterbacks coming off of uh, long injury layoffs. Um, and as far as Seattle, you know, I think there was a lot of hype around this team coming into the season after last year, you know, locking down Geno Smith. I guess he started writing people back because it did not seem like we had the same Geno Smith this year that we had last year. Um, you know, of course, uh, I believe it was either yesterday or earlier today. Uh, not sure, you know, the technical definition, if he was fired or they mutually parted ways. But yeah. we see Pete Carroll uh, out of Seattle and, you know, raises some questions. You know, maybe the, you know, the voice of the coach was stale in the locker room. That's definitely been a discussion among some of these organizations out there. Um, also, the possibility – Though Pete Carroll does look great for his age and gets out there and does a lot of moving around, man is 72, I believe. Yeah, and yo. yeah, for any profession, you are definitely 
potentially pushing the limits on how long you can continue to do it. So, um, you know, I think uh, for Seattle, anything less than the playoffs was a bad season. So it was a bad season for Seattle. Uh, For the Cardinals, I don't know. I think you definitely had some solid ups to be excited about. You know, the team played hard. You definitely didn't see this team give up. I think if there was one team out there at the beginning of the season, you might point at and say, this team's going to give up at some point in the season. The Cardinals would have probably been the favorite on that list. So I I will say that, you know, first-year head coach coming into a situation like that, things could have gone way worse than they actually did. So there could be some, you know, a more uh, pleasant outlook for the Cardinals going into next season. All right. Um, Before we get into our record of the week, uh, we got a special guest uh, with us here uh, that just popped out of nowhere. Um, We got another member of our crew. What's going on? Uh, Let me tell you something right now. Y'all talked about Pete Carroll, right? You know, yeah. Y'all talking about the Seattle situation? Well, guess what? Nick Saban's got an open spot to go to. Bye-bye, Saban. Get your ass out of here and war damn eagle, baby. That's what I'm talking about right now. All the bammers across the state. And I know this is not this, this is not college. This is pro sports. But here, I had to come in and say my enthusiasm that my Auburn Tigers have and the rest of the Southeastern Conference that that devil of a man's out of here. You know what I'm saying? I am hyped. I am pumped that people are throwing parades. People are celebrating in the streets right now across the country, probably because they hate that man. And I just had to come in here and say something about that because that is great. Popping off news right now. Just well, popping well, news I, coming out of the college football world. Well, as, as a t- Texas Longhorns fan that is uh, now going into the SEC, I'm very happy to see Nick Saban. Uh, uh, Bro, your first year, how lucky are you? Your first year in the conference, and he's gone. He gets out of there. He's running away scared from Texas and Oklahoma. What is this man doing? No, no, get it straight. We beat him so bad. uh, Get it straight. He's not running from teams. He's running from NIL. Well, yeah, that's true. Look, man, his his old – look, he he proved he can't do nothing in the pros. Unfortunately, I think college is becoming more and more like the pros – and like he's seeing the writing on the wall, he's like, "Well, damn, dog, I suck at the pros. College is almost fitting to be pro because of what we're doing with NIL and everything else." And yeah, I think he's just getting out of there. Get things getting out of there. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was well documented. Uh, you know, his beef with Jimbo Fisher uh, and just how much egg on his face he had to wear after some of the things he said talking about uh, Jimbo and his team. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think that, you know, the college, they, they've been pros for a long time. It's just the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yes, it will uh, be interesting to see how uh, things move forward for Bama because it's already started with players decommitting. Uh, the transfer portal is open, and I would not be shocked to see a number of players hitting that immediately. Um, now, a name I did hear thrown out there. And for, you know, Texas Longhorn fans, they may not like this, but Starkeesian may be a possible suitor for that Bama position. No, man. Oh. I don't know if anybody – I'm going to be honest with you here. I hope that doesn't happen. 
I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I just wanted to be funny and come on here because I am an Auburn Tiger and like I love the Auburn uh, Tigers War Eagle, like I said before. But like, and this is like big news in the state that I am in, and it's big football news and everything else. And I don't do a lot on the sports channel. It's my first time being on the same show with D Wizzy right here, baby, for the first time. Shit, and what he just talked, he just talked that college football stuff. Like he knows what he's talking about. We might have to do a college football show coming up. Like once a week or something at some point, if he knows that much stuff, because I love college football. It, it's a possibility. I will say it's easier to follow co uh, college football from a non-betting standpoint, uh, yeah. just with the roster turnovers and um, definitely when you get into some of the smaller markets and uh, not necessarily smaller teams, but there, there's just it, it, it is you know it's a beast in itself, and if you're not locked in you know, on the conference, on these teams, you know, you, you can find, like I said, Saban was wearing a lot of egg on his face and you can find yourself wearing a lot of egg on your face if you're not locked in well enough. But yeah, I totally agree though. It's a uh, uh, shock in the, uh, you know, the college football world. Whereas like any team that's got a, what you think is a great coach right now should be almost scared because Alabama's going to throw whatever money they got and they got a lot of it at whoever they want to come down and, and, and coach there and stuff like that. And uh, But like I said, man, thank you guys for giving me a moment because uh, I don't for jump sure. on the sports side. Even though I know a lot about sports, uh, I don't jump on the sports side over here too often. But this was like uh, some big breaking news today with Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. And like I said, if you're an Auburn fan, you can celebrate. Although I'm going to be honest with you, as an Auburn fan, I want to beat the best while they're at the best, right? Like my team's been struggling, but I think we're on the good, like rising up. So I would have rather been able to beat Nick Saban before he got out of there and stuff like that. But, you know, it is what it is. But until then, man, y'all guys have a good one. Sorry I derailed the conversation for no, a couple no, of minutes. Not at all. Not at all. But y'all have a good rest of y'all's show and keep it up, man. All right. Peace. All right. Um, now we, we got to go over uh, what we did uh, this past week. Um my, I finally ended the season with a winning record. I went four and one um, this week. Uh, so very happy about that. Um, yeah, my best pick, uh, Jaguars at the Titans. Well, you know, the Titans win 20 to 28, had them plus three and a half. Um, yeah, I just knew, I mean, you, you, you had to get rid of that that game against the Panthers with, when C.J. Beathard was starting. You had to look at what Trevor Lawrence was doing. Um, and he wasn't doing very much in recent weeks. I mean, they, they've had just as epic collapse as the Eagles have had. Uh, to mention the Jaguars, a, if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to double check. Uh, I did not see it personally, but another coach that is out. Um, I believe they fired Doug Peterson uh, uh, earlier today. Um, oh, I didn't even see that one. Yeah, let me see if I can pull it up. Now, I'm, like I said, I'm not 100% sure, but I do believe they're looking for a new coach in uh, Jacksonville. All right. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Yeah. Fire Jaguars coach. Reps team. Uh, I see deep. So I see the other coach. I don't see Doug Peterson. Okay. I Like I said, I could be wrong, but I mean, I think that's just a, a yeah, great. They had a lot of coaching staff changes. Okay. Maybe that's what I saw, uh, heard, but, uh, you know that that shows just how bad a t uh, turn things took with the Jaguars, yeah. uh, especially the way you know the season ended for them. Um, yeah, so that that was my best pick 
Um, my worst pick was no, my only loss was the Jets at the Patriots. Uh, I had the Patriots minus two and a half. Um, yeah, I just didn't think Belich if this is Belichick's last game in uh New England, I just didn't think he was gonna go out like this. I I mean they play terrible. Uh, and, you know, I know it was snowing and there wasn't a lot of offense, not a lot of opportunities to throw the ball. But the Jets just had to run it up, run it all over them. And that as for Belichick as a defensive coach, um, that was just completely embarrassing, um, that performance. So uh to, to end the if that is the last game with the with the Patriots, that is just a sad, sad way to go out in New England. And I just didn't think it was going to happen. I mean, they had won 15 straight games uh, against the Jets. I just didn't think it was possible for the Jets to win a game against the New England Patriots. But uh, that that was my only loss. So that was my only loss. It is what it is. I, I still had a great week overall. Um, but before we get to you, we'll say what's up to uh, Big Reg. What's going on, man? Happy to have you here. Um, but now you can get to your record. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it was a two and three week. Um, not sure if I can say I had a good win, but definitely had a uh bad one, that's for sure. I mean, I tried to back Cleveland and the Browns and that defense, you know, understandably gonna have some starters uh sitting and thought the game would at least be close. Uh, you know, we said it coming into last week. You know, one of the hardest weeks to handicap just simply because you don't know who's sitting, you don't know who's playing, you got teams fighting for playoff positions. Uh, so, yes, definitely thought the Browns would have a little bit of a better showing than they did um, because the Bengals only scored seven points in the second half. They had 24 points in the first half, folks. This game was literally 24 to 0 at halftime. So if there is a bad beat or you know a, a bad game on the week, I was definitely riding with it with the Browns taking on the Bengals. All right. Uh before we get into our picks for wild super wild card weekend, uh, we like to help you guys out if you guys can help us out by subscribe to the channel, hitting the like button on this video, and also hitting the notifications uh, buttons. And so you can know when we go live, we go live every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock uh, Pacific time. Uh, we go live at 3 o'clock Pacific time on Fridays doing Good Friends, Better Rivals, uh, and a bunch of other shows that we do. Uh, so you got to get notified for that. But if you really want to help us out, you can join our Patreon. Um, the link for our Patreon is in the description down below. You can join whatever tier that suits you. Um, but if you can do that, we would very much appreciate it. Um, but now we will get into our picks for this playoff weekend. Um, before, before we get to that, we'll get uh, Justin says, bro, this year has been a weirdest year. Uh, uh, been the weirdest year with the knowing who will be good or who will win. Look at Houston. That's true. I mean, I think we both, uh, I think we put the under on Houston. Uh, at least I did. I know, I don't know uh, which you pick. I can remember that. I did I, not. I believe, have the I believe so. Yeah, I believe we were both on the under with that one. Yeah, we were both on the under on Houston. So, yeah, you're definitely right about that. Definitely some surprises, uh, like Houston. 
uh, that we just did not expect for and that, uh, you know, curved our, our, our some of our futures picks. Um, but yeah, it's been a little bit of a weird year. Um, weird year now, it is worth saying, though, with that Houston team, um, you know, they yeah. came out of the gates firing. Uh, yeah, I mentioned it throughout the season. It seemed like this was a team uh, that was playing with the freedom of no expectations. They didn't have that weight on their shoulders. They could go out if they had a bad game. So what? Nobody cared. They expected them to have a bad game, but no. But by no means did anybody. You know, th- there's some out there that will say, "Oh yeah, I expected C.J. Stroud to be this good right away." Yeah, right. Tell you, you yeah. You might have said it. That doesn't mean you believed it. Yeah. Um, another good one was uh, the Rams. Um, I know I just expected nothing from the Rams, and they go and not and make the playoffs. So that that's another one that just uh, came out of nowhere and uh, surprised. I think a lot of the betters. Most definitely. All right. Uh, I'll start with my first pick, uh, with the first game of the week, and that is the Cleveland Browns. Minus two and a half at the Houston Texans. And I've been riding for the Texans a, a lot th- this year. I, I, I don't even think I picked the Browns this season, but I'm going to pick them here. Um, the Texans are seeing shot, although we have been surprised by their play. Like we, we just mentioned it. We were surprised, didn't expect it. Uh, but, uh, and then, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they win this game, but they are just too inexperienced. You know, CJ Stroud, as well as he's been playing, he's still a rookie. Still inexperienced, has no playoff games, obviously, just coming into his first year. Um, and the, the the Browns just have one of the best defense. I mean, he's going against one of the best defenses in the league right now. Uh, they are number one in pass defense, and that's what the Texans do best. And if they can take away the, the, the number one strength of the Houston Texans, uh, they don't got a lot left um, going for them. Uh, I'm also going with the trends. Um, that we saw. I, I just mentioned these trends earlier. Um, that the away favorites have been winning at a, at a, a pretty high rate. That the that, that the favorites overall. Um, um, that the I mean the away the away teams overall have been winning. Um, so they are away. They're the away favorites. I like the numbers um, that we've seen throughout the season. So I'm going to take that. Uh, I'm going to just roll with the trends. Um, and then overall Browns. Four and one against the spread in the last five games, ten and six overall, and Houston four and five at home against the spread this season. So not very good. So I'm gonna take the Browns. Yeah, you know we were just saying a minute ago, home field advantage is dead, and the Houston Texans, at least not yet, are a team that I would say have a home field advantage. Um, yeah, I think that's you know minus two and a half. Uh, or excuse me, plus two and a half for the Texans, I think says it all where traditionally you might see just a flat three, maybe even a three and a half. Um, But yeah, I'm back in the Browns in this game because, you know, as you said, you know, one of, um, I think they didn't finish as the number one defense, but we're still talking about literally one of the best defenses in the league right now. And if they can limit that pass game of the Houston Texans, we saw all season long that the tech, the one area the Texans truly struggled in on the offensive side of the ball was running the ball. Um, you know, a lot of people were high on uh, Damian Pierce coming into the season. He uh, seemed to disappear throughout the season. Um, 
seemed a little bit uh, like a running back by uh, running back by committee. And even still, uh, it was C.J. Stroud carrying the offense. So if you can not necessarily take away the pass game, but if you can limit that pass game, get pressure on the quarterback. I mean, forget making this team one-dimensional. They're already one-dimensional. They can't run the ball. So if you take away that pass game, it's going to raise some serious questions as to how will the Texans be able to uh, keep up in this game. Um, I think potentially we could see uh, similar to how you might handicap a Super Bowl hangover with a team, uh, a lot of energy and excitement and just effort put forth to making the playoffs. Um not to say that they necessarily reached their goal, but I'd be interested to see just how much, you know, fight and dog the Houston Texans still have the, have in them after, you know, doing what – after the accomplishments they've already reached. And, and, and ref factor as well. The Browns basically, you know, they, they rest their guys. They're, yeah. they're coming. That's basically like having a bye week. And so they're more rested. I mean, the Texans had a, you know, tough emotional game uh, to win the division against the Colts. Um so the Browns are kind of going in, going into it with a lot, lot, lot of their guys rested up. Uh, uh, well, so, now yeah. the one player on the Browns that probably does not need rest, <laughs> Joe Flacco. Unless his couch was missing him, I'm pretty sure that man didn't need no rest. Well, I mean, look, look what he did off the couch. Um, That's what know, I'm he, saying. You know, maybe yeah. he had he had to go. You know, get back in his spot, recharging batteries a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, we'll get to the next game. And that is the Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs minus four. My Miami Dolphins aren't just coming off a loss to the Bills. Uh, they lost the division. Uh, they lost playoff seating. They lost key players on their defense uh, due to injury in that game. They just got beat up uh, all over the place in that game. I mean, it, was just, uh, it was a definitely devastating game for the morale in their chances of winning this game. Uh, Patrick, we, we've seen Patrick Holmes in the playoffs. He's one of the best playoff quarterbacks we've seen uh, in the history of the NFL. And against this injured defense, uh, I, I like his chances uh, going up against them. They may, uh, they you know, we, we've seen their problems in the receiving game, but it is Tua's first playoff game. Um, and I, I don't think the Dolphins' explosive offense with what we've seen, what the weather's going to be like, you know, with that zero degrees and that wind uh, that's coming along, I uh, don't think it's going to be very effective against the Chiefs' defense, which has been really good this season. And we just talked about the number one pass defense. Well, guess who number two in pass defense? That is the Kansas City Chiefs' defense. Um, so that 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 uh, explosive Dolphins offense uh, is going to get um, taken down here. So I just like. Uh, um, for a lot of the problems um, that the Dolphins have right now, um, you know, to come ahead and um, for the Chiefs to cover that four-point spread. Now, I am on the other side with this game, but I also have a minus or a, the spread at four and a half. Now, I will say that hook was the de was the deciding factor. If this was a you know a flat four or even a three and a half. Um, I would be more uh, open to backing the Chiefs in this game because I do believe the Chiefs win this game. Um, but with the weather we're going to see, it's not – I mean, there's cold 
And then there's what we're going to see in Kansas City this weekend where you're going to hope the temperature is at zero. And that's not a joke, folks. That's literal. You are going to hope the temperature is at zero. And in my opinion, and I know there's some statistical data to back it, but in games like this, you don't expect a lot of offense. You know, it is hitting players in cold like that is so much worse. You want to talk about something that just makes you not want to go out there. This is that type of cold that will do it. And even looking at uh, some of the odds on things like the team totals, the game totals, everything's really leaning towards the under. I was actually surprised to see this, uh, the game total at 43 and a half. But when you look into the team totals, you see the unders for uh, both teams juiced heavily. Um, whether it be the team totals for the game, first half, um, I believe even the first period, uh, pretty much every under is where the juice is at. And in a low scoring game, being able to get that hook with four and a half, I, I like the Dolphins because in a game where we're talking potentially 13, 17, 10, 14, uh, 17-21, you're still going to cover with that four and a half. So I do expect a very low-scoring game. Um, now, as I said, if this if the number I was looking at was a, you know, a flat four or maybe three and a half, I would be m far more open to backing the Chiefs. Uh, but the, like with this weather, I mean, whew, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some technical difficulties out of the cameras and the camera people out there. I mean, I mean, these are you're bordering on almost literal dangerous cold. So it will usually bad football isn't worth watching in cold like this. This is the type of game where you probably won't be able to look away from the screen. All right, into the next game that is um, my Dallas Cowboys at home. Uh, minus seven and a half versus the Packers. And I think you all know where I'm going to place my money on. And that is the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, Packers are just happy to be here. I mean, they are just happy to be that last seventh seed in the playoffs. They have no expectations of winning this game. They, they know they have no chance of winning this game. Uh, Cowboys are 15 and 0 at home. Last 15 games. Going back to the previous season, uh, they just don't lose at AT&T Stadium. Uh, Dak is just money, just little money. Bet your money on Dak being great uh, in at home. Uh, we just talked about the home field advantage. It may, well, I've seen it. The Cowboys have a yep. home field advantage yes, uh, built in there. Not a, you can't you can't argue that one. Uh, yeah. Whether you know whether it be the casual fan just there because of Jerry's world, because, hey, let, let's be real. This is more than just a stadium. I mean, I'm pretty sure you don't even have to be a football fan and you can keep yourself fully entertained in Jerry's world. Yeah, um, we're going to have a white out there. Everybody be wearing the white jerseys. Um, big, big atmospheric game. And, you know, we had we just we're coming off of that tune up game where, you know, we we we, we went on the road. We played well against commanders. Um, but you know, going back to, uh, in, in the wild card, you can say what you want in the divisional round. That's a different story. But in the wild card game, 
Uh, you know, Dak had, had his probably his best game of his career in, um, in the last game in the wild card round last year against the Bucks. Um, Tony Pollard seems to be get finally finally getting going in the running game, and that's where the Packers have been quite awful against um, the run here. These are like um, the bottom five of rushing defenses, and uh, obviously nobody seems to be able to stop C.D. Lane. He's had 13 catches, and then he had another 10 catches uh, the week after. Um, yeah, he's just been going off uh, the past couple weeks. I mean, he's just on fire. There's just no stopping him. I don't see how the Packers stop him. And the Packers, um, I mean, the Cowboys will be definitely be able to get pressure. I mean, it's only when Jordan Love has time uh, where he seems to to, to really uh, get it to his guys. When he doesn't have time, he doesn't look the same. And that is definitely our specialty is getting pressure on the quarterback because uh, Mike Parsons has had the most pressures in the league. Um, and, you know, um, you know, we're coming into this game. Uh, relatively healthy. Only guys are missing are the guys that were already missing. You know the ones that have been on IR, but otherwise the ones that have had injuries uh, seem to be are going into this game uh, back or off the line is going to be full, um, and we'll we'll have all of our guys back. So uh, I think, um, and you just seen how we played. We've blown out multiple teams at on at home. We're scoring thirty seven points. Uh, we're averaging thirty seven points at home. There's just there's no shot. There's just no shot the Packers cover this spread. Cowboys minus seven and a half. Yeah, I think the one thing we learned about the Cowboys this year is you cannot fade them when they are at home. It's just that simple. I mean, you know, think what you want about them on the road. You can definitely make an argument in that scenario, but that ain't the case for this opening round game. We're talking about them playing at home, playing at Jerry's World. And even with a – you know, in the playoffs, you usually don't see spreads this high. You, in my in my experience, you usually see this be the ceiling. Uh, you know, some usually games being around that four, maybe three range. You know, as we see some of these games, two and a half, three and a half, four and a half in that range. Seven and a half is definitely starting to get up there, but you know, I got to ride with the Cowboys in this game minus that seven and a half. Um, this year, C.D. Lamb has probably shown that you can you could easily make an argument for him as a top 10 wide receiver in the league, if not possibly a top five. Um, I think the numbers back up that every year he's made improvements or at least pushed himself for, uh, further in that conversation of being one of the top wide receivers in the league. Uh, it definitely showed towards the end of the season where they were able to lean on him more, as you said. You have a game, you know, there's not too many wide receivers out there that you see rack up double digit catches in a game. Uh, Cooper Cup comes to mind, and we've all seen how much LA likes to force the ball to him. And that hadn't, in my opinion, that hasn't necessarily been the case in Dallas. Um, I think injuries on the offensive side have sort of affected uh, them a little bit, but for the most part, this isn't like what we see with the Rams where they're just trying to force the ball to CeeDee Lamb all day, every day. And, you know, having, you know, I believe they have the better offense and the better defense, and I see no re reason why they can't cover this seven and a half. And to top it all off, they're playing at home. So definitely feel better about that number. All right. 
Uh, we'll get to the next game. That is the Rams. Plus, uh, I'm taking the Rams plus three at the uh, um, the Detroit Lions. Um, Rams have been one of the hottest teams in the league. So, uh, you know, in, in the second half part of uh, the season, Lions, um, you know, I, I questioned Dan Campbell's decision making. Um, the Lions decided to play their starters last week. Uh, and guess what? They get Sam Laporta hurt. Um, that's one of their big main weapons that they have on offense. Um, they kind of, you know, that that's their main uh, thing that on their team is, is having multiple weapons to go to. Uh, and then to and that's on top of already the questionable decision making that Dan Campbell made in the Cowboys game, um, you know, going forward after the penalty happened. But, um, you know, so I, I, this is just a clear, clear coaching advantage for the uh the LA Rams. Um as we've seen Sean McVay, Sean McVay's, you know, a, a great opposite court uh, opposite mind. He's um won the Super Bowl ready. Um Stafford has won the Super Bowl ready. Uh so he knows how to play in these uh playoff games. And the Lions uh do not. Um the Lions, I just think ultimately they will be the Lions and they're gonna lose in the in the playoffs uh per usual. Rams six and one against the spread in the last seven games, so I'm definitely taking the Rams. We'll be back in the Lions in this game. I mean, hey, you got to go out on a limb when you're taking a team that hasn't done something in you know thirty something years. Um, well, I go with the trends, I, so the trends is doing nothing. Oh yeah, yeah. I do not <laughs> doubt that this is a pick that is going to buck the trends. Um, but we're also talking about Matt, Matthew Stafford playing playoff football in Detroit, which if I'm not mistaken, hasn't worked out too well in the past. Um, and you know, this is one of many, uh, revenge games that we'll see, uh, over the course of the opening, uh, weekend. Um, and you know, sometimes it's hard to handicap those emotions and, uh, not necessarily affect on abilities, um, but yeah, just uh, you know, looking back at it, and over the course of uh, Stafford's time in Detroit, only had three playoff games. Um, nothing, you know. Yes, he was able to get some yardage put up uh, in two of the three games, but on the flip side of that. Two turnovers in one game, uh, two interceptions in the first game, another interception in another game. So, you know, it will be uh, interesting to see how Matthew Stafford does returning to playoff football in Detroit because he will not be getting a hero's welcome walking through the door in Detroit. Um, this team, I, I can I can fairly say, uh, this organization and fan base. Is probably already accepted moving on from him. Yes, he was able to go and win a Super Bowl. I'm sure there's plenty of fans out there that was happy for him for that. But he will be walking into the Lions then come this weekend because I, I, I fully believe that every Lions fan out there is just waiting to see Stafford go down. And, and of course, not by injury. I mean, they want to beat the crap out of him, of course. But minus three. You know, this Rams team has been up and down throughout the season. I've, you know, 
I've been on a little bit of a hill by myself over the past couple of seasons with the Lions, so I do not mind standing by myself with the Lions getting a playoff win. Yeah, not going to happen, but uh, at least uh, there is not, not going to be a red alert this week because we do have different uh, picks in, the la- in this last game. Um, so uh, I'll get to mine first, and that is the Steelers at the Bills. Bills are minus eight and a half at home. Um, I'm going to take that. I'm going to lay the points here. And only for the fact, um, not for uh, really any legitimate reasons, but only for the fact that I said on this show last week um, that I would not be taking. But uh, I went back and forth on on these two games, and I, I got to stick to my word. Was not I said was not going to bet on Baker Mayfield anymore. I got to stick with that. I got to stick with my word. You know, man of my word. Got to be true to it. I'm not going to go with Baker Mayfield, even though that probably would was the way I was, I was leaning. So I got to go ahead and take this game, and I'll take the Bills because I have no faith in the Steelers doing uh, much. It's, it's really just the spread that had me hesitant on this game. At eight and a half is a lot. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen if, if Josh Allen – you know, has one of his down games, you know, with the ones where he throws a bunch of interceptions, and that's the reason why they lose. Um, that's my only hesitation with this one. But otherwise, I definitely do think the Bills can blow them out. I mean, I just don't see how the Steelers score very much points. You know, their, their offense has looked, you know, a, a bit improved with Mason Rudolph at quarterback over Kenny Pickett. But, you know, the, the Bills defense is, is a lot different than what, what he's seen. Um, so, you know, I, I think at the, when the Bills win, you know, they, they win handily. I, I think um, a lot of the time uh, and the Steelers, just I just can't see. I just can't. I mean, they're just lucky. Like I said, they're kind of like the same the same thing as Packers, kind of just happy to be here because they barely made it in. Um, so definitely like the Bills in this way, pretty much only for the fact that got to got to not pick Baker Mayfield. I, 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 you have no qualms out of me out of not backing Baker Mayfield. Um, and I'll get into that in a second. But as far as, you know, this Pittsburgh-Buffalo game, where I'm looking, they actually have a spread of uh, minus 10 for Buffalo, which, I mean, it's just wild. You heard me say seven and a half was a high spread for a playoff game. Yeah. We're talking about an even higher spread here. Um, yes, I think, you know, the lack of offense that we've seen out of Pittsburgh this year is a big reason why we're seeing a number like that. Also, we could see some very inclement weather. Um, I don't know if they're calling for snow, but I do know expect uh, they expect high winds. Mm. It's Buffalo in January, so I imagine that temperature is going to be freezing, sub-freezing, somewhere around that range, which definitely is not comfortable to play in. Better than playing in zero degrees, but still not what you want to be out there playing in. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some people jealous of the temperature in Jerry's world versus playing somewhere like Buffalo or KC this weekend. Um, but yeah, uh, yes, there there seemed to you know be some improvement at the quarterback position. Um, some of that could be due to them firing the offensive coordinator at the time, Matt Canada, but also. I had me personally, I hadn't been a big fan of Kenny Pickett. Um, and 
I don't think we've seen much drop off or any drop off, whether it was Mitchell Trubisky going out there or Mason Rudolph. And that it's not meant to be a knock against the Steelers, but you know, the stats don't lie. At minimum, they were on par for the same level. So what you know, I know they I know they already announced that it will be Rudolph, but even if something occurs where we see uh, an injury or something and we see Pickett getting uh, sent out there. I still feel comfortable with the Bills in this game. Now, yes, I'm not on this game because of that massive spread. Um, looking at some of the team totals and, you know, the game total on this one, a very low game total, just 36. You know, the, the under is juiced slightly, but that's because you can only go so low on an NFL game. Uh Yes, we saw some numbers lower than this on the season, but that is still a very low game total. Uh, you know, team totals, the unders are juiced for the full game, for the first half. Um, I, yeah, ooh, you talk about it. The Pittsburgh Steelers have a first half team total of seven and a half, and it's minus 240. The books are literally saying, they won't get more than a touchdown in the first half of the game. So Tomlin's going to have to do something to get this offense going if they want to even have a chance of being in this game. Now, yes, Josh Allen can go out there and keep any team in a game, regardless of who it is with the way he can turn the ball over. Because, yes, there are a lot of uh, Allen um, fans out there that want to tell you, oh, he should be in the – MVP conversation, leading in touchdowns. Let's, let's talk about those turnovers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You let – you know, what is the, it's the Jameis Winston effect. Oh, yeah, 30 touchdowns. Yeah, you also had 30 interceptions. You know, if you're turning the ball over just as much as you're putting up TDs, I'm not sure you're – you can be a good player. MVP, no, you're not in that conversation. Now, moving yeah. into my last pick for the game, you heard my man say you cannot back Baker Mayfield. And if you needed evidence of that, just look at the last two weeks of the Carolina Panthers. Yes, that Jaguars team is nothing to boast about, and they went out and put 29 points up on the defense. Baker Mayfield and the Bucks couldn't even get the ball into the end zone, folks. Three field goals on the game. Now, yes, it got them to W. It, it accomplished what they needed to do. But I'm sorry. If we're going you know, to sit here and talk about how bad the Jaguars have been, especially towards the end of the season, the Bucs can't really say they've looked any better. And I think those two matchups, you know, back-to-back like that says a lot because, you know, the, the Panthers didn't magically turn something around to shut the offense uh, – shut the um, other team's offense down. Yes, there was a, an instance or two in the game where the offense for the Panthers could have put up some points, actually had a field goal – or, excuse me, a fumble right at the uh, end zone. Ball goes into the end zone, touchback, that scenario. So, of course, didn't see any points on that drive. But for the Bucks' offense to go out there and only put up nine points just screams like the Eagles. And, yes, that – I mean, you – Quite possibly looking at another ugly game because this Eagles team did not finish the season strong by any means. As someone that thought they could cover the 11 and a half at the beginning of the season, felt pretty damn good when they started 10 and 1. 
turn around and watch them finish the season one and five, fall half a game short. You know, so definitely not too happy about backing the Eagles in this game, but sure as hell ain't going to be backing Baker Mayfield. Uh, we'll say what's up to my dad. What's going on? Say what's up to Jay. He says Evero did all he could with a ragtag defense. Can't wait until he has some motivated dogs. You and me both, brother. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as the Philadelphia and the MBA game, uh, I just like I said, I, I gotta say one word, and uh, it's full, it's too conflicting because I also said I didn't, I said I wouldn't vote, I wouldn't uh, bet on Baker Mayfield, but I also said I would fade the Eagles for the rest of the season. So I, I can't do both. I mean, one has to, but no, actually, you can't go. hold up, you can, you stayed off the game exactly. So I can't, that's the only way. That I can stick to my word is just stay away from betting this game. And that's why I did. That's why I did not bet this game. Um, um, because I am a man of my word. Um, we'll say what's up to Jose. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you're right here ready for our recap of our five best bets of the of wild card, super wild card weekend, that is. And uh, we'll go over it one more time for y'all. I have the Cleveland uh, Browns minus two and a half at the Houston Texans. I have the Kansas City Chiefs minus four at home versus the Dolphins. I have my Dallas Cowboys minus seven and a half uh, at home versus the Packers. I have the LA Rams plus three on the road at the Detroit Lions. And reluctantly, I have the Bills minus eight and a half. Um, at home versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, and for my picks, going with you know, I I, I, I got to get on. I got to get some of this January Joe and the Cleveland Browns minus the two and a half. Sticking with the Dolphins plus four and a half. And I don't think we can call it the Ice Bowl, but I mean, this has to be the modern day version of the Ice Bowl. I mean, so I, I, mean, I don't think it's even close. I mean, people died at the Ice Bowl. Shoot, people might die at this game if they don't wear enough clothes. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but, yes, back in the Dolphins plus four and a half. Um, going with the Cowboys as they're playing at home, minus seven and a half. And looking to make a little history, at least for, you know, some Detroit fans that probably had never seen their team win a playoff game. And Detroit minus the three. Now, something I do see just real quick, um, the book I'm looking at, they actually have a potential future lineup for the Super Bowl between the number of both one seeds, the 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens have the 49ers as a slight favorite, minus one and a half. But I do believe that's just a sentiment that shows how strong this Ravens team is. Um, you know, a lot of people considered them, you know, around middle of the pack before the season started. And. I, th I think that's a that was a fair evaluation at the time, but we've seen this team skyrocket to the top, um, earn the number one seed, lock down the division. I mean, played very well for the most of the season. I mean, you looking at their season, not too many areas you're gonna find that were a, a big negative or a big uh, letdown for the Ravens. I mean, of course, everybody knows about the 49ers and all the weapons they carry. CMC, you know, they got um, 
Samuel, uh, Kittle. I mean, just a laundry list yeah. of players that you would love to have. You know, I know I'm a Panthers fan. I had CMC. Even on a bad team, the man was great. So, you know, it's definitely a, an interesting line because though they don't have a money line up, basically saying whoever wins the game covers the spread because I don't think we would see a Super Bowl finish you know, on a one-point you know, margin of victory. Yes, it's possible. Uh, we, we've seen a number of one-point victories across the league. But I do think it's interesting to say because – a lot of people have, you know, been big backers of the 49ers, if I'm not mistaken. They've been the uh, Super Bowl favorite in the futures markets. Um, now, Baltimore has moved up that uh, list. I was able to grab um, plus 525 a few weeks back, definitely a few weeks before the season ended. And with them sitting at the number one seed, coming in playing strong football, Got that first round by looking at a, a healthy roster for the most part. Um, you know, I, I think it'd be interesting to see if we uh see both number one seeds make it all the way to the Super Bowl and get a rematch of that battle we saw earlier in the seasons where the Ravens went out there and won the game pretty handedly. All right, uh, that'll wrap up our show. Um, Hopefully you guys get all your bets in um, before those wild card games start. Um, but uh, for now, you can tell the people where they can find you, D-Reezy. Yep. Y'all can reach me at Backyard Action Media here on YouTube and on X at The Yard Bets. Uh, you can find me at NFLKev22 on Instagram and Twitter slash X. And you can find me on this channel doing good friends, better rivals on Fridays at three o'clock with uh, Ferris Muntana. We've been off for a couple weeks. Um, that's because Ferris doesn't want to show up because his Giants are, you know, their their season's done. Hey, um, hey, maybe maybe he's just busy eating some cutlass because you know Tommy DeVito. He ain't been playing, so he's he's got more time to go out and make some chicken cutlass for everybody. <laughs> maybe so. We'll 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 find out if Ferris will will show his face ever again. Um, but uh tune tune in yeah. anyways uh but yeah uh definitely uh tune in for ne next week because we'll be in uh, doing our divisional round um that's um that'll just uh keep this narrowing down snaring down we got less and less opportunities to make money but we will be here for you to help you guys make some money um all the way up to the super bowl um so please tune in it's almost done but We'll be here for you. All right. And like I always say, let's get ready to make that money.